0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the All Might Be Edified Discussions on Servant Leadership. I'm Keith Pankow, your host, and I have the wonderful privilege to be here with Tamrat Nagetra, who's a good friend, and I'm just so excited to share his voice with all of you. He has a wonderful path in history. He's originally from Ethiopia. He came to the United States in 2012, where he pursued his degree from BYU, Idaho, and obtained a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering. While he was there at the university, he helped create a GIS or geographic information system for the BYU-Idaho electrical department. And it was a pretty phenomenal system. He then went on to work for APR Energy and was on a team that enabled the company to create visibility on their material assets in the United States, Panama, and Dubai. In 2016, he moved over to working at solar turbines, a Caterpillar company, as a field service engineer. Their office covers the eight southern states from Texas all the way to North Carolina. As a field engineer, he travels around to commission, upgrade, and maintain industrial gas turbines, generators, and compressors for hospitals, universities, offshore oil rigs, natural gas transmission pipelines, chemical plants, and waste treatment plants. He speaks four languages, and in his part-time, he volunteers for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to translate... The church documents from English to Americ, and you'll have to correct me if I messed up that pronunciation, but as a translator and interpreter, he works on translating the semi-annual general conferences from English into Americ, and he also was one of the ecclesiastical reviewers of the triple combination translation to the Americ language before it was published. When he was a young man, he volunteered to serve a mission, and he was called to serve in the Kenya-Nairobi Mission between 2010 to 2012 that covered Kenya and Tanzania. He has had many volunteer church leadership responsibilities in Ethiopia and throughout the United States. He's married to Dania Nagera, and they were sealed in the Salt Lake Temple, and they have two children, Abigail and Amand. Well, welcome, Tamara. I'm so glad to have you today.
1: I am so happy to be here, Kate. It's uh, such a a wonderful opportunity to be part of this podcast.
0: Yeah, I have to let you know, there's times in your life where you meet someone and you just know they're a special individual. And I felt that when I met you. So I'm really excited Uh, to amplify your voice and let others uh, hear
1: it. Oh, thank you very much.
0: (laughs) Well, you're an engineer and I know that I'm not an engineer and oftentimes engineers and me see the world in two different ways. And it's not always bad. I've learned a lot from engineers and I had an early recognition into the fact that I didn't think like an engineer from a woman who was like my grandmother. She lived (laughs) with my grandfather for many years. We called her a her name was Shirley Jacquard and she was a professional teacher. And her first husband who had passed away was an engineer. (laughs) And when I was... In high school, I had voiced to her that I wanted to be an engineer. And she asked me, Keith, why do you want to be an engineer? And I came up with this logical response about how they make good money and they have good career <laughs> paths and all of these things. And she just stops me, Keith, you are not an engineer. And I was kind of hurt by the fact that she yeah. said I was an engineer. And then she went on to give me a bunch of reasons about why I didn't think like an engineer. And it was my first experience where I learned that people think different ways and that's yeah. okay. And so. In your life as an engineer, what were some defining moments in your life that helped you decide that you wanted to be an engineer
1: uh, that's a very good question so my dad he was in the Ethiopian Air Force he was aircraft technician and mostly he works on those aircraft technic- cameras that were that are installed and you know they spy and you know they take pictures or videos uh, from up there and uh, so Whenever he comes home, he actually helps people uh, with their cameras. And then, you know, he takes this really small bolts and nuts from the cameras, like really small parts, puts them in order, fix whatever he has to fix, and then puts them back on. And so just looking at him, taking hours and hours, troubleshooting like those cameras, I thought, like, this is just such a, a very boring life, you know? <laughs> uh I thought him as an aircraft technician, I thought like his life is just miserable. But I will give you an example why I decided to be an engineer. So living in Ethiopia, I lived in a community where the power is actually scheduled by a community. Let's say one area, if they have power one week and then another area, they will have power another week. And so it's just a mix of frustration and just uh, why, you know, why this happens, you know, that kind of stuff. So I said, I definitely would like to be an engineer and specifically, I would like to be an electrical engineer and then find a way to help the people. Maybe in the future, you know, whenever, you know, things are good, I'll go back and help the, the, you know, the people. That was my motivation when I decided to be an engineer in the first place.
0: You had such a wonderful example in your father. And I was thinking about it as you talked, how neat it was he took this skill to yes. work on aircraft and he used it to help people with their everyday cameras. Yes, um, yes And what definitely. an example of service that set for you at an early age and provided that foundation that yes. you kind of mentioned you wanted to serve people and and help your community have greater access to power on a more regular basis. And what right. a noble cause.
1: Exactly. It's uh, Yeah, so uh, now actually things are getting better, but definitely I have a desire, you know, some time to go back and see what I can help with my skills, whatever I can, I can do.
0: Hey, that's great and such a phenomenal goal to learn as much as you can and then go back and help. What a thing we might take for granted in a lot of places that we can live our lives with regular power at a regular yes. schedule, not have to worry about it. Right? I just put yeah. something in. And <laughs> I imagine that that environment you have to come up with different and maybe even better ways to lead people so yeah. that you can manage. The frustrations, the access to things, how to live yeah. your daily life. Did you have any examples that you learned about leadership, kind of watching that community grow in that manner?
1: Yeah, definitely. Like uh, back home, people have very small to nothing, but they are always to share whatever they have. That's wonderful uh, uh, thing that I've learned out there. I'll give you a good example. You know, when I joined church, the person who invited me and my brother and my family. He was the first one to join the church in our town. He was a good friend to my dad. They worked in the Air Force for some time. So he came and you know, invited us to church. My dad, he wasn't interested. So my me and my brother decided to go and see, you know, what they have. And then when we actually started attending church, there were actually less than 10 big people out there. That's just his family, a uh, family of like six, seven, and then some of his friends, and then me and my brother. So that guy it was—it's just amazing how he dedicated his life to serving the people. He would go from door to door inviting people, and we didn't even have the approved church building. What we would do was just attend in his living room, and you know some of his rooms were like really society class, that kind of stuff. So he would divide his rooms so that we can have uh, church services out there, and. Not even that. He didn't have much income. He lived through his retirement money, but whatever he got, he shared it with people. Like, you know, whenever sometimes we don't have transportation to travel to the church meeting at his house, he would just give us, you know, for taxi. He would, he's just such a loving person who had almost nothing, but he was full of love and who was full of just charity for people around him. And so great experience that helped me shape actually who I am today
0: that's a wonderful example and a phenomenal illustration of servant leadership. And I love that experience that you shared. And and I think there's a lot that we can learn from that, especially in the United States. I, as I travel around internationally, I see people a lot happier with a lot less material items. And I think too often in the United States, we tie our happiness to things and to achievements and not to our circumstances and the people around us. And I think that can lead to a sometimes an unfulfilling life. And yes, if, yeah. you know, it's the things around us, they're not what's important. And that's why servant leadership is such a valuable topic to me because yeah. it focuses on the people.
1: Yes, exactly. People find fulfillment in different ways, but I think a true fulfillment a life comes when you do it with people. Uh, you know, when you serve people, when you uplift people, when you bring people to wherever you are, to your standard even or even better. And that way, that's when you actually can feel a true fulfillment in your life.
0: Yeah, I really like that thought. I have a quote here. It says, servant leadership is a philosophy and set of practices that enriches the lives of individuals, builds better organizations, and ultimately creates a more just and caring world. I love this quote, and I think that what you're saying speaks perfectly to it. And as you've traveled and as you've seen the world around you, what are ways that you have seen you could share with us that would benefit us to help build a, as it says here, a more just and caring world through exercising these principles of servant leadership?
1: Growing up in Africa, Nelson Mandela is our hero, our superhero, like Superman, as you guys have here, Spider-Man. Nelson Mandela is our hero. You know, we learned about his life, his dedication, his uh, achievement uh, throughout our life. He is special. I'll give you an example why his leadership is different. So there are two leaders. I will give you an example, and then you can compare them for yourself. And then the first one is Nelson Mandela, obviously. And the second one is Robert Mugabe. I don't know if you've heard of uh, Robert Mugabe. He's the leader uh, from Zimbabwe.
0: Yes, I've heard of them.
1: So these two guys, they had the same mission. They were actually almost the same age. They both belonged to the same generation. And they fought for independence and for liberation of their countries. And they were both imprisoned and they, you know, fighting oppressive regions, right? And after fighting for independence, both were First presidents of their countries after you know post independence. After they became uh, presidents, but you can see how much effect they brought into their people's life. Nelson Mandela he led the country like four or five years. Robert Mugabe he led the country almost for of over forty years. And so uh, Mugabe he thought he was the only one who can bring change in the country, and mostly he worked for himself. He worked for his family. Even just before he was forced to leave his power, he wanted to assign his wife as president before he left, you know. But for Nelson Mandela, what he did was whenever the new president was elected, he peacefully left the power. And also he laid a foundation where all people can reconcile and live together. And he just created uh, an atmosphere where everybody can live together. On the other hand, Robert Mugabe, he chased all the white farmers, he took their land, and he actually led the country into inflation and drought and uh, so much chaos in the country. So from the two experiences, you can see how much being uh, a servant leader actually can bring change into the people you're leading. Now, South Africa is more far-developed, than any other countries because of the foundation nelson mandela has left i believe it's the same thing for america too imagine if abraham lincoln or the founding fathers of this country if they didn't lay a good foundation in serving the people america wouldn't have been here the way it is today if the people had worked for themselves instead of you know if the governing people worked for themselves it would have led the country into a different than it is today. Nelson Maldinda, he's my hero. He's one example of a servant leader that I always strive to follow.
0: I love Nelson Mandela. I'm a huge fan. He's my hero too. And I'm so glad you brought him up. And it's very interesting to hear your perspective growing up in Africa and how idolized he is. And I'm happy to hear that because I love so many things that he did and what he, the example that he is. His life's work is so powerful, and it's evidenced by the name he's known by Mandiba.
1: Yeah, Mandiba. <laughs> uh,
0: can you explain that term a little bit more for the listeners?
1: Uh, well, I don't exactly know the exact meaning of the, the word, but I've, from that nickname itself, I can feel the love the people have for, uh, for him you know, you call your friend with his nickname because you have a very good relationship with them. You love them. So you call them with nickname. And so that, I believe that Mariba term, it is a sign of respect and love uh, from the people uh, for the things he has done for them.
0: Yeah. And I love it. And you can feel it when somebody this. refers to Nelson Mandela, that you know, that there's a deep respect <laughs> and love for him. And exactly. I'll share an experience. I have my Aunt, she worked for the South African Embassy in Kuwait, and Nelson Mandela made a visit to the embassy, and she got to meet him. And it was one of her favorite events of her life. When the staff heard he was coming, and I can I can appreciate this as a military person because usually when a dignitary or a VIP comes, it's very stressful because you have to make everything look nice, you have to prepare everything, you have to make sure everything presents everything well, and it's extremely stressful for these events. But her explanation of President Mandela coming to Kuwait, was it was a time of excitement because (laughs) they all (laughs) wanted to meet Nelson Mandela. And that's the type of leader that I think we can aspire to be like. And like the comparison that you gave was so appropriate because it shows us that anybody can take a set of circumstances and can put these principles and take care of people into play. Yes. And we can see the results are positive
1: exactly that's the thing like uh, you know zimbabwe uh, that's where mugabe was leading actually it used to be one of very richest countries like uh as far as farming they would have had such a big farm that they would have they could supply the rest of the world but you know because of bad leadership and because the leader just worked for himself instead of for the people just everything turned upside down and uh just resulted in a bad situation out there.
0: And that's unfortunate. And I think there's times when in any of our organizations, we may get people like Robert Mugabe, right? Mm, And we may get these people that are self-serving or they don't aspire to servant leadership, or maybe they start out as servant leaders, but then they get a little bit of power and they Mm. try to rein it all in and they don't empower the people around them. And so how do we recognize people that might be leading our organizations astray and then what do we do about it to help build and foster greater server leadership
1: that's a very good question it's uh so the kind of leadership you have that actually translates to the result of your team and if your team is happy if they are productive if their results is uh you know more than expected that's definitely you know from a good leadership. But if uh, your team is discontent, uh, you know, there's no harmony in between your teams. Definitely you can see how that affects the the organization, the total organization.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And there's a quote here that says, previous research has shown a positive relationship between servant leadership and organizational performances. The servant leader's propensity to empower employees typically triggers a process of reciprocal exchange where employees deliver extra effort to increase performance. Mm-hmm. And, yes. I, and I know that to be true for me, right? When I know someone cares about me, when they're looking out for my best interests, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to try harder.
1: Exactly. And so
0: how do you show your team that you care to help them then reciprocate and give you a better effort?
1: That's a good question. So I was assigned to be a young man president when I was uh, like, I don't know, like 17, 18 years old. And it taught me a lot because if you present yourself as a leader or as a boss, uh, no one definitely doesn't want to do or be motivated to do things what you would like to do, you know, you wanted to achieve. But if you're a friend to the rest of the team, and if you count yourself as one of them, definitely everybody will be happy. So, as a young man president, we had a duty to guide uh, projects to do, right? So, I decided to be part of the, the young the men and do every activity with them. Like if it was swimming practice, we would go as a group and then ask one of the good swimmers to teach everybody to swim. And if another one is good in hiking, we would ask him to you know, share his knowledge, and then we would go and then do the hiking. If another person has, you know, some skills in running, running is big back home. So almost everybody runs. So we would go and do do that uh, running activity as a team. So one thing to do is you don't have to be the only source of uh, knowledge and direction in your team. You can uh, delegate. And then you can distribute that power you have and then let everybody contribute and then be part of the change. And so one good experience uh, that I had was all of us, we did the projects, including me. And then actually some of the young men were able to achieve the first duty to God medals in Ethiopia. Like the first awarded duty to God uh, was uh, through the projects that we did. So it was was a good uh, opportunity for us.
0: Yeah. And thanks for that. And just some clarification for all the listeners out there, a young men's president in the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is somewhat like a youth pastor. They're responsible for the young men ages 12 to 18, and they provide them leadership and mentorship. And one of the programs that was used over time was this duty to God program that Tamrat was talking about. And it was a, a very difficult program that oftentimes was hard to achieve. So it's a couple of things that tamarat said that I wanted to emphasize the programs because it's remarkable, is, absolutely remarkable. You were in charge of these young men at 17 to 18 years yeah. old, you know, and what a testament to your leadership. And, and I love how you said that you kind of brought them into the fold and you didn't just act like a leader. You know, you needed to solidify yourself in your relationship so they would respond to you as a leader. Yes. And I think that you provided a great example of that. And what a remarkable experience to be part of these young men achieving something so monumental in your country. You continue to be quite involved with Ethiopia and I think Kenya to some degree. And that's remarkable in and of itself. I had a quote that I kind of wanted to talk about because I think this exemplifies you. A servant leader focuses primarily on the growth and well-being of the people and the communities to which they belong. Now, I've seen evidence of this in my relationship with you in Louisiana that you are definitely involved and you care for our community. But I've also witnessed that you continue to care for your communities back in Africa. Yes. And can you talk about some of the ways that you do that and you stay connected to your communities?
1: Yes, definitely. So I speak four languages, English, obviously, and Amharic and Oromic. Amharic and Oromic are uh, mainly the two biggest uh, languages in Ethiopia. And then when I went to Kenya. I got the chance to learn Swahili, and then when I came to the States, I had an opportunity to be part of a team who translates uh, spiritual publications to, uh, from uh, English to Amharic. So, in my part time, I, you know, I would volunteer in translating those, those spiritual publications and conference talks and videos and audios to my people so that they can enjoy, you know, the good message that, that, you know, we listen and enjoy out here.
0: Yeah. And I think it's powerful to have an opportunity to hear that in your own language. Yes. I think that's important to hear uplifting messages in your own native tongue. And I applaud you for continuing to do that. And I think as someone who's learned a couple of languages along the way, I think yeah. there's power in translating something to learn a message with multiple different words because the meaning becomes more profound when you exactly. translate something in my opinion so what yes. what's your experience been with
1: translation you actually learn i i learn a lot when i translate like uh, for example uh, some of the words in Amharic they have more meaning as you said they have more profound meaning than the english itself so, or some of the The words in English, they have more meaning than the maharic. So uh, sometimes you will have to use a sentence to describe one word, you know. (laughs) But it's been a wonderful experience. One of the publications that uh, I was part of was what's called the triple combination. And it took a long time. I was one of the viewers for the book. I didn't have enough time to be a full translator uh, because I was doing part-time. So I was a reviewer. And that was such an amazing experience also to be able to be part of that publication. And I listen, you know, some of the recordings also that we do, people, they would call me, hey, Tamrad, we heard you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it seems like sometimes I might have lost my Amharic accent, but they still enjoyed and appreciated, you know, the contribution I've made.
0: Yeah, what a special experience too, to hear an uplifting message in the voice of a friend or a relative too. So I think that's (laughs) wonderful. And what a great way to stay connected to your community. And I think it speaks to your passion and desire to go back and serve your community in the future when that opportunity arises. What wonderful things. One of the questions that I told you I may ask, which I think is very prudent is what is an example of a leader that's been an inspiration in your life?
1: I will share with you one of my favorite stories uh, from a book is uh, actually King Benjamin in the Book of Mormon. It's a kind of a leader that you wouldn't expect. He was a king. And instead of being like just a normal king, he left being king. And then he was just part of the community who served the people, who taught the people. It's just a, a fascinating story. And he just puts aside every personal aim and ambition and he devoted himself holy for the welfare of his people. In contrast, in the same book, you will see another king, King Noah, who just taxed his people as much as he can so that he can build a fancy building for himself so that he can live a lavish life. So that story of King Benjamin and King Noah's, you know, contrasting story has been an inspiration for me. You know, whenever I, I have an opportunity to lead, I have to work for the people, not for myself, you know?
0: Yeah, wonderful way
1: to put it. And
0: yeah, I'd never thought about King Benjamin as an example of servant leadership, but what a remarkable example. (laughs) So thanks for sharing that. I'll I'll look at that differently. And now you can (laughs) add me to the people you've influenced through your conference translations and scriptural (laughs) translations, because I just really appreciate that. One thing I wanted to kind of talk about too, that I think is really important when we talk about these things Dr. Greenleaf, he says, attentive listening is part of being a servant leader. And it says, attentive listening begins with genuine interest that is manifest in close attention. And it goes on to understanding in depth whence come with wisdom. Now, I think you've given some great examples with Nelson Mandela, your father, the church leader in Ethiopia, King Benjamin. And I think what those people all had in common is that they were. Understood people. They knew what people needed. And part of that means we have to listen to people. We have to understand them at a greater level. So, how do you work to incorporate that into your everyday life?
1: That's a good question. I have learned a lot since I've been married. It's a great, the greatest lessons I've, I've ever had in my life. Because one thing about being husband is to learn to listen. Uh, you know, your wife, and also your kids. And then uh, understanding their needs helps you better serve them also. If you're serving the people, definitely you need to know their needs. Uh, You need to know uh, their desires and likes and dislikes. Uh, Once you understand those differences, you can serve them better in a way that makes them happy, in a way that elevates their life, and in a way that makes them better people.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. What a great way to tie marriage into learning as well. I think there's some great lessons in listening, especially for many of us male figures. We sometimes lack natural listening capacity and we have to learn it with extra effort, I think. And so it can be good to learn those skills so we can put them into practice in a broader application, as you mentioned. One thing that I continue to notice when people talk is that a true servant leader doesn't just let people struggle. doesn't let people struggle in a way that pulls the organization down, pulls them down, pulls others down. And sometimes that requires hard decisions. Sometimes that requires hard conversations to help people understand that maybe a certain organization or certain choices aren't the best fit for becoming the best version of themselves. And so how do you approach somebody who might be bringing negative energy to a team to either help them integrate into the fold or to help them recognize they need to move in a different direction.
1: You've said it right. People, they be part of something and then definitely uh, that organization that they are in is not something that brings out the best in them. I'll give you a good example here. Like the work I do, it's a a lot of hands-on it's a lot of technical uh, and it's a lot of troubleshooting uh, job. Lots of people, they would come and they think it's just easy job. But after going out for one or two jobs, they understand how much it is a lot of work because you will have to, you will be called, you go out to the field and customer uh, is losing, losing thousands and thousands of money because production has stopped and uh, some people, they just can't withstand the stress that comes with this job and so what I've seen some good leaders they would do is actually they say hey we can help you train and uh, you know they give them an opportunity to train and if that training doesn't work out they help them they don't fire them but actually they help them get a different position that fits their skills and their needs better and so it requires as a leader requires to make, you know, tough decision, but it's actually those tough decisions. It is to help that person bring out the, the best things in them.
0: Yeah. And I think you, you hinted at some kind of going back to the listening conversation, you hinted that they, they pulled them aside and they kind of worked out what the actual problem was. And that takes some questioning and listening and getting to know people. And that can be challenging at times, but it's so important for those of us that aspire to be servant leaders to get to know people around us so that we can recognize what they need, who they are, what will help them become the best version of themselves and yes. what will help our organizations grow in that positive direction and oftentimes going back to those earlier points when we show them what we care, when we show them that we're interested in them, you know they'll reciprocate by doing their best and if we know they're doing their best and it's just not working out, that's when we can recognize this is someone I want to help be in a right spot because they do good things. They do hard work. This just isn't the right fit for them.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Well, I love it. I love everything that you've been saying. Now you've got a depth of experience that many people don't have an opportunity to have learning multiple cultures, traveling to different countries and living in different countries, which is very different than traveling to different countries. Now, what advice do you have for all of those listeners out there that are aspiring to be better servants based on this depth of experience you have?
1: I would say understand people that uh, people are different and they have different potentials, uh, wherever, wherever they are and whoever they are. And so understanding their potentials and understanding their strength and weakness helps you better, under, uh, better serve you know, the people you have under you. And sometimes also as a servant leader, uh, you will have to be uh, humble. You know, you will have to be humble. You, you just have to get rid of the pride you have and then be able to serve uh, the people. You know, it just requires doing things a little bit differently also. You know, you might be in an organization that focuses on products and, uh, you know, success and shareholders profit instead of the people. So it requires merging the two, you know, serving the people you have under you and also guarding the benefits of the company. Also, you know, you can serve the people, you know, the under you and also you can fulfill the goals and the ambitions of your company as well. So. It just requires a little bit of being unselfish when it comes to being a you know selfless leader. Uh, just requires a little bit of work, but I promise everybody being a servant leader is the most accomplishing thing that we can do.
0: Thanks so much for those comments. And I'm going to use one of the phrases you said and a couple of the lessons that you taught us to offer this week's challenge. You said a servant leader needs to be humble. And my challenge this week is to take a step back and evaluate your own leadership. Now, we were given some contrasting examples with President Mandela and President Mugabe, with King Benjamin and King Noah, and what it was like to be a really great servant leader and what it was like to be the complete opposite. And oftentimes, we fall somewhere in the middle we're yeah. not the great example and we're not the worst example yeah. so take some time to be humble and figure out where on that spectrum you fall because as tamrat so eloquently said you can work for a, a company that doesn't aspire servant leadership values but you can still find a way to focus on people within any organization nice. if you know where you sit on that spectrum so that's my challenge this week now tamrat any final comments before we wrap up today
1: so we we can all be leaders there's no some people they think you know uh, being a leader is like a gift it could be a gift you know some for some people it it comes as natural but for some people also it is something that we have to practice you know we have to go out there we have to practice just do a little bit of diligence and uh, we can be great leaders we don't have to be afraid to be leaders i usually i am afraid to be a leader to go out there you know in front of people that kind of stuff but You don't have to have the the whole package to be a leader. You just have to influence as much as possible with the potential and the skill you have.
0: Thanks so much and so beautifully said. And for those of you that don't know Tamrat, even though he says he doesn't naturally like to be a leader, he is a powerful example, a powerful leader through his actions. And so I couldn't think of a better person to represent those words. So thanks so much (laughs) for joining us, Tamrat. I'm glad to have you. I'm glad to know you. And I'm... Glad that people could hear who you are and a little bit more about
1: you. Thank you very much, Kate, for the opportunity. And I had fun and uh, this wonderful platform that you're providing for people.
0: Well, thanks so much. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Please share the podcast with those that you might think will benefit from it. Rate it and review it and subscribe. That helps other people find it. And thanks again for joining us on another episode of That All Might Be Edified, Discussions on Servant Leadership.